We are virtual real estate that makes you look and feel and act and neuroscientifically behave as if you were in a real office. It's not virtual reality. It's reality. We've created a place that is like going to the office and it's solving some really big problems of work at home and work with distributed teams. One, isolation. I don't feel like I'm part of a company, a team. I'm calendar driven instead of idea driven. Welcome to Rise Leaders Radio. I'm your host, Leanne Mallory. As a leadership coach, I work inside organizations and I focus on helping leaders achieve their whole person potential and meaningfully contribute to their organization's mission. With this podcast, I share leadership best practices, developmental approaches, and stories of exemplary leaders. Hello, it's Leanne, and I wanted to say a few things before we get started in our conversation with Tony. First of all, thank you for being here. Today, I'm talking to Tony Portman, CEO of Walkabout Workplace, which I will just say for now is a magnificent platform for placemaking in our ever-increasing digital world. I am not in any way affiliated with Walkabout. I am, however, committed to encouraging positive work cultures based on human connection, care, and for leadership that exemplifies dignity, promotes positive change, and works from a humble and confident stance. I believe that Walkabout Workplace facilitates all of this because of what it's designed to do. It's not just a cool piece of tech. I also invite you today to listen not just to what Tony is saying, but how she says it and from where her words come. By that, I mean that Tony is herself an exemplary leader that cares about people and culture and making education at all levels and healthcare and even government services more accessible to all people. Here we go. Welcome to my conversation with Tony Portman, the CEO of Walkabout Workplace. Before we dive into the conversation, I want to tell you just a little bit about Tony. Tony Portman is a self-described possibilitarian, and you will see that on the call today. And I would also add that she's wicked smart with an infectious energy and enthusiasm. I consistently walk away from our conversations with more excitement about the future and belief in myself and with new connections because Tony always has someone she introduces me to at the end of our conversation. Tony's also a builder. Once she gets hold of an idea or a business, no matter how fledgling it is, she will make it better. She's CEO of Walkabout Workplace and has been CEO of several technology companies. I think, Tony, I counted five. And I won't even try to talk about the types of companies she's led as I'm certain to lose my footing and stumble. Tony's a major quick wit and easily connects concepts and ideas and people, and she executes like crazy. Finally, Tony is also a champion for women, women in business, and women in networking and supporting each other. She's a champion for leaving a small footprint and making a big, a mongocious impact. Tony, thank you so much for being here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Oh my gosh, I'm so humbled and um, I don't know who you're talking about, but I want to meet her. <laughs> <laughs> here she is. I can, I can set you up as soon as we get off this Zoom call here. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious before we start in here. So I think I counted that you're, you were CEO of five companies in the past and your trademark seems to be building 
and taking something from like an idea that's got some foundation and just blowing it out. That's what I, that's what I remember. And I've known you through maybe this is the third or fourth since I've known you that you've been a CEO. I mean, we're going to talk about walkabout, but what about this company sparked your interest? Because I think you had said I'm done with the last one. It was like, I've, this is, you know, I've, I worked really hard and I'm ready to take a break. But in 2019, you stepped back into this again. What, what made you change your mind? Well, um, first of all, I, I have to give credit where credit's due. I think the one talent I do have is to surround myself with really awesome team members and coattail their um, skills. So the whole play to strengths and surround yourself with people that just make um, your ideas come to fruition has been one of the linchpins of my success. And I've been blessed to be surrounded by unbelievable people, colleagues, friends, um, mentors, and people like Leanne Mallory to be <laughs> To be precise, but um, so interestingly enough, this is the sixth company. I swore I was never going to do another startup. And um, buddy of mine, actually a man that I had competed with in one company and then had used the platform that I sold in another company, um, called me out of the blue and said, I'd like you to take a look at this platform. And I, I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm kind of done. And why? And he said, we need investors and we need need, um, you know, somebody to run it. And I said, okay, well, I'll take a look. And I got to tell you, Leanne, I became completely enamored with what it could do to solve the problems that I have seen in the past 30 years of leading and managing companies globally. Um, and, and I started digging in. And once I experienced what it was doing to individuals, to organizations, to the possibility of schools and classrooms. Mm-hmm. I said, this is, the, this is the next generation of the way we bridge mind, body, and spirit into the workplace. Beautiful. Yeah. And from the first time that you walked me through this platform back in 2019, I was I actually found our appointment and it was late. It was the fall of 2019 when you first showed me this. And again, your passion is just infectious and you so believe in this. And maybe this is what sets you apart for me is that you don't do anything that you don't believe in. And it comes through in the passion. So it's not a money thing that you've done this, although I'm sure that that's been nice. You know, it's, it's made a nice, <laughs> yeah, right. That's, that's, that is a way to get lured back in. Um, but you, you totally believe in whatever it is that you're working on and that spreads to your teams. You're always so excited. No matter what you're working on, you're excited about it. You seem to uh, love the people that you work with and the teams that you bring together. And so let's hear about Walkabout Workplace. I know that this, it would be much better if this were actually a demo. And we're going to try to record a video demo that I can share after this. But just what is it about Walkabout Workplace that's so great? And just, and just t- tell us a little bit about it. Oh, I, I would love to. It's like talking <laughs> about your children. But so first of all, I think it's important to talk about the problem that it's solving. So Excellent. even before COVID, and by the way, COVID was one of the best things that happened to the company, just being honest. Um, but before COVID, there, um, there was an emerging of distributed work. So teams didn't work together in the same place. If you were in headquarters, you might not be in a branch office. If you were in a franchisee environment, you might not be with your colleagues. If you were global, you might have colleagues and peers across the globe. And even if you walked and worked down the hall from somebody, you were in a Starbucks or an Admiral's Club or on an airplane, you were in a WeWork Center. And what was happening as the world became flat is people became less connected to one another. 
And I believe that true um, output for individuals comes from the collective co-creation of the community. And, um, and I think that distributed teams had, had sort of lost a sense of community. So when I saw what Walkabout was doing, and um, to describe it is sort of you have to see it to believe it, but it is virtual real estate. So the new cool category is prop tech and prop tech means where property meets technology. Um, but, but in that it's virtual real estate. So if you think about what's missing with today's tools and we're experiencing it right now on a podcast using a Zoom tool or a Microsoft Teams tool or a Slack tool, we've been relegated to a little four by four box on a screen or a red, yellow, green dot on a chat channel. And we're not connecting to people, to community, and to brand. So we are virtual real estate that makes you look and feel and act and neuroscientifically behave as if you were in a real office. So um, it's not virtual reality, it's reality. And they used to say, you know, do you work to live or do you live to work? Now we, you, me, right now, we live at work. (laughs) We've created a place Hmm. that is like going to the office and it's solving some really big problems of work at home and work with distributed teams. One, isolation. I don't feel like I'm part of a company, a team. I, um, I'm calendar driven instead of idea driven. So that whole aspect of isolation. I also, how do I change my persona when I'm in training versus when I'm in the boardroom versus when I'm in the cafe having that spontaneous water cooler conversation? Or when I'm in and we've added bars to our work <laughs> because with COVID, you need a place to maybe go. But, but I change literally neuroscientifically the way my brain works, responds, reacts, and creates by changing the schema or the environment that I'm in. So we've created virtual real estate that makes you feel like you can walk down the hall and have the water cooler conversation in the break room or walk down the hall and go into a training room and become either the trainer like you or the trainee like me. And now my persona changes. Um, So that's what we've tried to create in addition to creating a connection to the community, to the brand, and to the environment. So virtual real estate, think about using this tool and going into a building, riding an elevator, and being connected to your colleagues across the world. So a few things that are are connecting with me that hadn't before, because of this virtual real estate, it's a little bit like gaming, like when you're in a gaming environment and I don't game, so I've just seen it, but the intention is to make you feel like you're on the field or in a city or on the uh, battleground. And that's sort of, I mean, it doesn't get that virtual reality with walkabout workplace, but you do see a floor plan. And so now I'm connecting what you were saying about persona with kind of my mood and emotion. And it will be different when I am physically feeling like I'm in the boardroom or I physically feel like I'm in the break room, you know, water cooler talk and my mood changes. And so I hadn't made that connection before, Mm -hmm. Tony, that as we move into these different virtual spaces, that we do take on a, a different presence Absolutely. As we do that, huh? And one of the things that it's so funny that you say that, because when I was doing my due diligence on this company, I decided to join Second Life, which is a a virtual reality gaming company. And it was really interesting. I'm not a gamer, but I 
navigated and I created a persona and I went to rooms and I met people and it was bizarre. And I, I saw the impact that the change of schema had, even the change of persona. Um, a lot of people, when they say, if you're going to work from home, go in, take a shower and put on your work clothes so that you change your mental acuity to be at work, right? Um, and when you're done, by the way, lock your desk like you lock your computer so that you have a life because we can tend to, when we work from home, have work be our life. So I love that about um, Second Life. And so somebody once, uh, I think Brandon Call actually um, said, hey, Tony, this is kind of like Second Life. And I said, yeah, but it's real life. So this isn't virtual reality. This is reality. Mm-hmm. How do we bridge from this tool centric world to a world where we keep the human in the company? Beautiful. And, you know, another thing that I was thinking about is this having this place. I do everything on Zoom because that's what my clients use, et cetera. And it's easier uh, for, for me than, you know, when I'm when I'm facilitating to use Zoom because of some of the the attributes that it has. But there's this feeling of like floating around out there in space like untethered a little bit, like we're all just, you know, out there and then we're going to uh, join on Zoom. And the walkabout workplace gives me the sense that I I have a place where I belong. And so we can go ahead and talk about some of the attributes and you've done some demos with me. And some of the companies that are really um, large, and by the way, I'll put links to everything that we're talking about in the show notes here so that people know how to get to walk walk about workplace. Um, But let me ask you first, what's the largest company that's using this platform right now? So today, um, largest is Hitachi in Japan, Um, both a division of Hitachi called Hitachi Solutions, and um, they're reselling the platform across Japan. So they've been successful in driving with um, our help, of course, but um, Mitsubishi, Fujisoft, um, we're working with PwC, really large companies in Japan. So Hitachi is probably our largest client to date with about about uh, 1,500 users okay. across 48 floors in the um, operation. That was one of the questions that I had is that I didn't know how, how much this would scale, like how large could you go? So you showed me, you pulled up somebody's floor plan and I was able to see like all of the different floors because I, in my head, I was thinking when I've worked and I've worked at large corporations that were, you know, over a hundred thousand employees. And I thought, how would you replicate that at Walkabout Workplace? Well, there's floors and you can put people on floors. Like you can have the HR department here and you can have legal here. And as an employee or someone with a license, to use it. I can go to all the different floors and I can look and say, is this where HR is or if this were? And so there's also that sense that we're all in a building together. Absolutely. And that's what what I love. It's, you know, you ride, quote unquote, the elevator or you go down the stairwell um, and you're in HR, you're in finance or you're or you're with your team that's all over the world in a meeting room. So, you you know, it's taking that aspect of the physicality and putting it into being in that community environment. It also one of the things I love is what Bill Gates did when he was designing the new Microsoft headquarters. And he realized that the spontaneous conversations across departments was really important. So he had a really big open concept, but he put break rooms and bathrooms on the perimeter so that you were forced to walk across a campus 
to be able to run into, see, and spontaneously have conversations with people on your way to and from the break rooms or the bathrooms. And that's what we create in Walkabout is the ability to walk around, not be locked to, and I loved your Zoom example, um, real neuroscientifically, they're coming out with Zoom fatigue. Mm -hmm. We are we are not feeling connected to the world of work or the world of community or the world of colleague. So in walkabout, you can literally walk down the hall and drop in and have that five minute conversation, get a question answered, right? Say hi, have a cup of coffee and literally feel like you're building a team. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you was what your favorite attributes of walkabout is. And I have mine. So in the first one I already mentioned, there's a place that connects us that's not untethered. So it brings us to a place. And like you said, I can, I can log on in the morning and I, and I see my colleagues, I can see who's there, who's logged in, all of that. And who's like having standups. So I know that they're, especially like in an agile workforce or people who are using that, there are these times when people have either brainstorming meetings or they're having standups. And that's one of the things that we're missing out on right now, because unless you're invited to that, that conversation via a calendar, you don't even know what's going on. But from what I can tell, and you can correct me here, what I, what I think will happen on Walkabout is that I can see where people are gathered and I can just ask to join. And that's part of the spontaneity of it is I, I can just see if there's a group that I want to join or someone that's um, in a brainstorming meeting might say, I think Leanne has the answer to this. Let's see if we can pull her in here real quick and they can just pull me in and release me instead of having to invite me to a meeting for 30 minutes to two hours or however that that's going to be. So, for me, those are some of my favorite attributes is that it really um, does give away for that spontaneity to happen and for me to invite myself into those meetings that I used to just overhear. And now I can be a part of those when I see people gathering. I, I love that. And I love that your observation. So we've got companies, development teams that give every scrum team or every agile team their own stand-up room. Of their own test and demo room. So we can scale to the millions, these floors, these rooms, these floor plans, but we give them in a custom context. And so now I've got my room, my team, and to your point, I can go fetch somebody for a three-minute question instead of having them mind-numbingly sit in a meeting for 30 minutes to an hour to answer a three-minute question. Right. So I love it. And, you know, one of the things you said is, favorite attribute. Although I love human capital, what I love is what the human capital does for a company or for a school. And I love outputs. I'm a process bigot. And um, <laughs> what I love is productivity and the intuition that we've built around the platform and then the use of what we call an app application console and the way we use our chat tool makes you wicked productive. Um, and that creates output. A happy, connected employee will produce more and better work. It's just proven. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, at the end of the day, I am a bit of a um, socialistically motivated capitalist. And <laughs> I would have used this in every company I ran. And um, one company I ran, I had 15,000 employees in 16 countries in 31 centers. And I would have used Walkabout every day. Hmm. How do, how do you think that would have made your life better as the CEO? Well, it would have just connected all of those 15,000 employees to one another, me to them and their management teams. But most importantly, it would have connected our work to our clients and our colleagues. Hmm. And, um, and that's what you really want is you want to deliver an exceptional experience to your clients, to the market. And, and we would have extended our enterprise across the globe to our clients and our colleagues. So I, I want to ask another question here that's interesting. So speaking of clients, um, can clients come to the walkabout workplace? How, how does that interaction go? So if someone 
from the outside wants to come in and attend a meeting with like, say, uh, an executive team of two different client, like a client organization and the, and the company? Yeah, great question. So um, if we're virtual real estate, think of us as a real place that people would come. So when you come in the lobby, you're greeted by a virtual assistant and the virtual assistant can show you the directory of all the people and all the rooms. And then you're hosted by your colleague within the company. So if you wanted to bring a client in or a prospect in to um, your meeting room or to your training room or to your conference room, you could just summon them in, click of a button, they enter into the room, they're magically there. It's so cool. Yeah. And then you have a record of what guests came to see you. It's also wicked secure. Um, in today's crazy Zoom bombing world, we've got to be really careful of privacy, of protection. Um, we do unbelievable encryption inside the video. We also do unbelievable encryption inside the chat channels so that when we're having this conversation, we're encrypting within the video channel itself. So only those with access can have um, output. So we've got law firms using us, FBFK in Dallas. We love um, FBFK. And they're using us across LA, Houston, and Dallas to be able to not only have their groups do, you know, kind of collaboration across when they might have a um, important client, have their clients come in and then store all their documents and their video in a very secure way um, in the cloud. Within the platform, everything, everything happens within the platform. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Just locking a file cabinet, like locking your door. We literally have physical lockings of rooms, lockings of doors. You lock your file cabinet. Only those with the password and e access have the ability, the key to get into the office, the room or the file. Interesting. And I know that when you said lock your office, I when you were showing me the demo, I could also see. So even if I'm in the office, I can put like a do not disturb, like I'm in the office, but I'm working so that I'm not just, I can't be yanked out of the office or someone can't just automatically um, join me. I have to approve who gets to come into my office and interrupt me or whatever. So we can see who's there, but that doesn't mean everyone is always accessible, which would also be another concern for me in this world is, are we all just going to be interrupting each other all the time? And that's not happening here. No, no. So the video is opt-in. You don't want to drop into somebody's office and have them instantly on video not expecting you. <laughs> right. So I, I opt-in. Um, to my video, I acknowledge and accept you could go into my room um, if it's unlocked, but I may or may not let you come into that meeting by engaging the video. So I love that fact. I also love the fact that um, from an accountability standpoint, there's a concept that says, if my calendar's not full or I'm not red, yellow, green in my Slack channel, who's doing the work around here? Mm -hmm. And so if you're in, but your door's locked, your colleagues go, man, I see her in, she's right. But you're present, you're available, you're mm -hmm. accessible and you're at work because today you don't know if somebody's doing the laundry, they're walking the dog, they're out, right? Doing grocery shopping. They, they stay green in the channel. Uh, the cool, the other cool thing that I love is I can be in my office on my cell phone. If I'm in the grocery store and you knock on my door and the virtual receptionist says, you've got a client that wants to see you or a colleague that wants to see you, I literally on my cell phone can enter in my office and go on full video. Wow. It feels like it works 360. It works in a, in a lot of different ways. We have a lot of control there. I, I want to talk a little bit, and we've been bumping into the cultural aspect of this a lot, you know, the human connection and how it really encourages that, because that is, in the world that I'm in, one of the biggest questions that people are having right now is that, what do we do about culture? I mean, how do we, if we're going to continue to be here, and by the way, 
I'm hearing more and more executives that never thought they would have a virtual workplace see that it actually works. And now they're, they've made the decision. Many of them have made the decision that people can decide whether they want to work from the office or if they want to work from home. They've made that a permanent choice, which is an about face from what they thought that they would ever do. So they're seeing that the productivity still happens. People who want to be working from home um, are able to do that and opens up who can work for your company. You know, when you don't insist that people have to be in the office, people can stay in the state that they're in for whatever reason and, and still join. You have this kind of virtual real estate, as you said, you know, people can be, we can all be in the same office, but be in different states. How are you seeing that leadership impact this positively or not so positively in, in the rollout of, of this platform? Yeah. And I think you just hit on about a dozen things. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but it's so cool. So first of all, talent acquisition will change dramatically with this new um, accessibility. So um, I love it from a diversity standpoint. I think the stronger a company is, the more diverse it is. Um, I'm no longer relegated to what my zip code is or what school I went to or what transit I can even get on. Um, so now I can be a candidate for hire or I can be a productive contributing employee no matter where I live, my physical accommodations, right? As long as I've got access to the internet and who doesn't nowadays um, can is an opportunity to have a, a really cool job and be connected to a team, not even within the U.S., but globally. Um, I think you talked on, uh, touched on a really important part, which is change. Um, and, and I call it tone at the top and the leaders that embrace the new norm. One of my favorite CEOs is Eric Smith, a, a Dallas-based guy, CEO of a very large fire safety um, company that has been around for a while, offices in six different states. And when you, when you think about post-COVID, everybody went green and you had a great comment. He said, okay, back to work, get back in the office. And people are like, wait a minute, I, <laughs> Why? I sort of like this. And um, they're so cool. They're a tech company. In three days, they had every single employee, thousands of them, with the two monitors, Wi-Fi connection, v VPN connection. So all the tools worked. But he's like, wait a minute, how can I run a company if I'm not connected? And now I can't fly to the six states. So um, what we now see is his encouragement, tone at the top, to say, hey, y'all, I don't care where you work. You can be in your home office. You can be in our brick and mortar office. You can be in Starbucks. You can be on the beach, but you're going to be in walkabout at BHC. And they can be present no matter where they are. Um, if they're in quarantine right now because they had a scare and somebody, right? This isn't the probably the, well, it's certainly not the first. It's not going to be the last pandemic we have. I hope it goes away really quick, but right for now. So what I, what I think that leaders have to do is they have to change the way that they do business to meet with this new distributed remote workforce. And that means I call it daily, weekly, monthly. How are you going to change your expectations for the way people act and behave daily, weekly, hmm. monthly? Now, I would add quarterly and annually, but really every leader, and by the way, I believe every employee has the op opportunity to be a leader. Um, every employee, every associate, every colleague, every client, you got to change the cadence, the rhythm of mm. the business daily, weekly, monthly with expectations about when do you do one-on-ones? How do you use the break room? 
What do you do with training? How do you do HR um, coaching sessions? Mm -hmm. How do you bring clients and colleagues in? So all of those things need to be operationalized and people need to have a break. They need to walk down the hall and have a cup of coffee. They need to stand up. Uh, I love what Veridesk has done with all of their office furniture. Now they're populating homes with it. We've got to... (laughs) We've got to stand up and write. Um, so I just think that we are going to see in the next couple, three, five years, a complete change of the way a great leader uses technology tools and walkabout, I hope, to operationalize and take advantage of what this new norm is going to bring us. Yeah. And as you were speaking, it, it another connection uh, was made for me. One of the biggest questions that I got, particularly over the summer, was around, um, how do I say this, uh, transparency without micromanagement. Right. You know, and so there, there are, there's a lot that goes into that question. You know, found, at, at, at a foundational level, there's, there, there's trust, you know, how do we increase trust? But from an operational perspective, like you were saying, setting those expectations for the daily, weekly, monthly, it really gives people um, guardrails or handrails for their day and for their work, for the expectations, et cetera. And we we didn't have to have that in the past. You know, we didn't, or right. maybe we should have had it, but we got lazy because we could see each other all the time and we could just do these flybys and we didn't have to be um, really clear about things because we could, you know, just walk down the hall or do whatever. And so having this cadence or having these rhythms, I think really helps people. Um, I, I believe that we all do better with structure. You know, there's uh, and there's a term liberating structures. And so I think people are really having to get much more comfortable with living within the liberating structures and setting them too. you know, like because the leaders are the ones that will typically set the cadence, although I think it's fine and it comes from anywhere you know, like other people that tend to like more structure may say, hey, can we get on a cadence and and do it that way? But uh, that's fascinating. I'm going to steal liberating um, structure. I love that. Okay. <laughs> and I also love the, um, the visibility without micromanagement because mm-hmm. that's why like being present, but locking your door, um, having the opportunity to be fetched or to be brought into a meeting, but, but allowing that or disallowing that. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're busier in a stream of consciousness. And the the other thing, Leanne, that you touched on that I love is that um, people want to feel a part of a community. Uh, we had one um, fascinating conversation um, with a client and they said, you know, this whole post-COVID thing worked great for our existing employees because they were mature. They knew each other. They had connection, but our new hires. So um, I want to introduce a new couple of terms, which kind of, I was like, whoa, it's called street to seat or door to floor. Okay. So think about how talent acquisition, how hiring has to change if nobody can come in and be interviewed. Mm -hmm. So we've now got talent acquisition floors where we give every candidate their own office and every recruiter has their own office. So you come in as a candidate, you are now interviewed, you go back to your office, fill out paperwork, you come into an um, a testing room and take testing with a coach, you go back to your office hmm. and have a second line interview, you then go into an onboarding room and you're now changing office and schema with access to all of the HR tools available in the world and you are so much more productive, but hmm. most importantly, once I hire you, I give you a buddy, I give you a mentor, I give you a first line manager. You'll connect very differently in that first year of your hire than you will connect after you've been there for three years. Um, I just saw statistics that the average employee doesn't get to full stride of productivity until 18 months after hire. Hmm. Imagine I believe it. Yeah. 
of talent acquisition if we don't retain key critical employees or if we don't optimize that hiring experience. So, um, you know, I always say the only limitation to walk about is your imagination, but that's the way you could operationalize an environment, a workflow to put the person back into the company, street to seat, door to floor. I love that. And that is a really um, innovative way to use the technology. Again, having people have a felt sense that they're moving from one place to another within the organization, not just untethered on Zoom, which is- Place matters. Place matters. Place, schema, context matters. Yeah. It's it's one of the reasons that WeWork became whatever WeWork became, huh? Um, But but, um, people wanted a place to go. Yeah. They wanted a place to, right, have with their, I say it's the most expensive cup of coffee in American business, but um, there you have it, right? It's because we need a change of schema. Well, and are people, co-working spaces using Walkabout as well to, because I would do that. Brilliant. We've got yeah. retailers selling co-working. We've got co-workers coming together so that they just have a sense of belonging, a sense of place. In fact, we are um, a partner in WeWork's program. It's called their Perks program. So when you come into WeWork, you can actually get a virtual office and we have WeWork floor plans that look just like WeWork at WeWork. Um, <laughs> Favorite, uh, and maybe you even know him, Bert Robinson, coach's class. I met him through WeWork. He got a WeWork walkabout office, and then he opened up his company, coach's class, in a virtual real estate environment. And now he uses coach's class as the place that people come to see him. But if he's at WeWork, he uses WeWork walkabout to go see people that are coming to WeWork. It, it um, the there are very few limitations with this because you don't have to um, invest make capital investments in your space to create you know build out a new training room or whatever you can do it online right <laughs> with the module or something yeah. yeah. So, Tony, one of the other things that really struck me in our conversation a few weeks ago is, is your view of where this could go. And again, this is what I love about the way your mind thinks and your, your personal leadership and how you push an agenda forward. And you were talking about this idea of like city square, where people could um, like come in and do telemedicine, and but that would also be in a centralized place. Before we close out the call, can you talk about that a little bit? Because I was so intrigued by what you were saying there. So I think um, the world definitely is flat and we've got the opportunity to create a virtual environment, a campus for a school, a community for like you mentioned city square a uh, an environment we're working right now and i'm super excited with um tourism in jordan believe it or not so um you think about an economy of travel agents and tourism and look at what's happened with airline travel people are now dreaming they're saving up they want to do their research we've got access with google to all of the pictures etc but we don't have the ability to interact and react mm-hmm. so to give the city square example which i love is we spent a lot of money in dallas um, opening up an environment on malcolm x boulevard to give services like financial coaching and job training and access to resources for financial planning um, to people that might not have accessibility to that kind of education skill and background. And then COVID hit. And guess what? Even before COVID hit, we had big problems. People couldn't get there. 
People needed a place to go mm-hmm. to have access to those services. Then people would get there. They'd be queued in a line down the block. They might take a half day off work and never get to the front of the line because of resource constraints inside City Square. Then I'm in job training and I'm a single mom and I have a sick kid at home and I can't go. But guess what? I could go if I wanted. So we created with the brilliance. I might give Bob Wright some um credit and uh, also uh, United Way, Susan Hoff, some credit, although we haven't executed, we need to, to create a virtual city square and to take what Dallas taxpayers spent in $50 million and give access to city square virtually in an exact replica. We could serve thousands more people very much more effectively at a much lower cost and we could give equal opportunity to access clicking into job training. Hmm. Now I'm in a classroom clicking into financial services. And now I can get my driver's license because I've got the ability to work with the DMV clicking into a medical clinic and having access to clinicians and telepsychiatry in a place that's known and trusted. Hmm. Yeah. Well, now we just have to solve the problem of connectivity in places that don't have people that don't have Wi-Fi or whatever um, in their in their homes. So I always laugh about this. And, and I will tell you, if you look at the data, everybody has a cell, a smartphone. And I've, I've not seen the most recent data, but I think it's in the 90 percentile. I would believe that. So if you've got access to a cell phone or an iPad, you've got access to an office, a community center, a United Way opportunity. Mm-hmm. You've got, right? And so that's that changing paradigm on operational access and the vision of the future to create these hybrid models where we can exist with workflow no matter where we are, no matter who we are, no matter what we are. And so this, again, you, in 2019, someone, you know, reeled you in to be part of this organization. And once you're in, you see all of these possibilities of the ways that it can be implemented. I think the final question that I want to ask you has to do with what do you see is different with the company in 2019 than today? What's for walkabout, the way that you you came in and you thought about the company then and the way it is now, like you said, you know, we're in a completely different world. Yep. I do give credit to the team um, because the co-founder, Antoinette Forth, and her colleague, um, Brad Richardson, had this vision long before Tony um, of the of the connected workplace itself. But um, I think what we've evolved to is the understanding of the real problem that distributed teams have and the real problem that companies and schools, we could talk forever about schools, um, have in connecting and driving out output in an effective way. And um, this was happening before COVID, but I will tell you COVID was the best thing that ever happened to us um, because it created not this as a possibility, but as an imperative. Mm-hmm. We've got to figure out a place to come to work. We've got to figure out a new way to build a mousetrap. Gartner just wrote a report in September about the number one problem CIOs have to solve in 2021 is the feeling of isolation. Um, very, very important. Books are written like Karen Sobel Lejeski's um, Leading the Virtual Workforce, um, which talk about metrics that are going to matter in the way we create virtual distance Mm. as a metric of um, operational, physical, and affinity, where we know that trust is only gained from an environment that is trustworthy, right? And so uh, I think that there's so much now that at the beginning of 19, actually at the beginning of this 2010, this was a evolving opportunity. Mm -hmm. But now if you look at Japan, people can't get to work. So even if it's post 
COVID, the hybrid model is a necessity because they've got to create some social distancing on on, on transportation. Mm-hmm. And people queue up for hours to get on a train or a bus. It's untenable. We've got to rethink cities. Um, I also want to add, because I think it's important, um, we've we've got a real opportunity for climate change. Global warming, right, is real. And um, already in 2019, cities like Boston, Massachusetts and Seattle, Washington had offered tax credits for telecommuting. Hmm. Why? Because we've got a planet to take care of. So I think so much has changed since 2019 that has shown us that we have got to have a new norm of the way we work, the way we learn, and the way we live. Yeah. So the demand just quadrupled or, you know, by thousands of times it increased but not just from a technology side, but for all of the other reasons um, that you mentioned as well. And our eyes are really being opened like to the 360 degree view that we need to be taking about this new workplace. You got it. Yeah. Tony, thank you so much for being in the conversation today. This was fantastic. I will put lots of links for people to look at walk walk about workplace, you and I are going to stay on and do a demo that I will put on Facebook or whatever, so that people can get a sense of what it really looks like. I mean, I was I've just been going back and looking at that, and I think that the website is great too. So, so yeah. I got to give a plug. Okay. Uh, so you said women. Oh, so a part of Great Girls Network is this wonderful woman, um, Tori, who has a fabulous woman-owned website development company, Hooked on Code. And with the leadership of Antoinette Forth, our co-founder, Tyler Riddell, our head of marketing, and Tori and her woman-owned, woman-run website development company. Um, We're not there yet, but we just went through that um, release. So thank you for saying that. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's great. And I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> See, you're always plugging and connecting. Probably <laughs> when we get off the call here or get get off our meeting, you'll have me a few a uh, few extra people to get connected. That's right. That's <laughs> all right, Tony. Well, thank you. I also want to just note um, what you all don't see is that um, Tony is she's upright, but you had a horrible ski accident in December. You broke your shoulder and I don't know what you did to your knee, but you're in a wheelchair. And so this is a great example of uh, working from home and this virtual space because you're in it. And if we didn't have this capability, I don't know, you wouldn't be able to work right now. No, I, I, oh, for sure. And um, I do think that this is real. Like, I really understand ADA compliance, like at a level that I never thought that I would. But, but you know, resiliency is, is part of the human spirit. Mm. And um, walkabout enables us to be resilient and to create new possibilities. So thanks for acknowledging that. Yeah. Um, someday I'll walk again. <laughs> Thank you. I think that that's a great place to end. Take good care of yourself. Be well. Love you. Bye. Bye. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Rise Leaders Radio on your preferred podcast platform. Your ratings, reviews, and shares are also really appreciated. You can also visit rise-leaders.com for all the resources we talked about today and to work with me if you're committed to making your unique and positive impact. Thank you for listening and remember, elevate your part of the world.